So, what did you do today? <laughs> Shut the fuck up in here. I know, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. This is 90 seconds of gold. It's gold and we're going to use every smidge of it. Alright, well. So. Paris. Paris. <laughs> Paris. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, you How do you want to start? Do you want to like... You just got to jump right in there. Be don't like you? where we left last time or just... So this episode is... So this is episode... <laughs> number... <laughs> okay. Welcome to episode two of Beans Talk Podcast. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be gold. You have no idea. Hey guys, welcome to the Beanstalk Podcast, where we talk about everything travel. Sharing first-hand travel advice and getting to the bottom of real-life experiences in the hopes to inspire you to get out there yourself. I guess where we left off was we had just landed in Paris after... Uh, Our grueling plane flight over. Yeah, and super exhausted uh we had made our way to notre dame and i remember there was a park right in front of notre dame right where that locks bridge was mm -hmm. and so we went over and saw the locks bridge which was really cool um because it's just something that you've never seen like thousands upon thousands of locks all attached to a bridge um, that we later find out had been taken down like a couple weeks after we left, mm -hmm. which was pretty just crazy to hear about that we were able to see it, um, while it was still there. That they basically took it down because of locks overcrowding the bridge and they would eventually would break or they would fall into the Seine or the river. Yeah, the river there. And it was just becoming... Um, like a trash. Yeah, it was trash trashing, heap. trashing the river, and yeah. like the they would be all rusty, and they would just you know line the bottom of the river and create whatever water pollution that you know. So they basically do. removed all the locks <clears throat> and replaced it with this like fiberglass or glass or some sort of textured wall with just. Almost cartoony looking locks. Really? That just walled it oh, instead. That's weird. I remember yeah. seeing the image and I was like, ah, I don't know. We might have to go back and I mean, I, I get it why they took it down. Totally. Mm -hmm. But it was nice to be able to see it while it was still there. Yeah. So. At least it's our first experience with Yeah, for sure. Like a, a place that's just ridiculously covered with locks. Yeah. Um... But yeah, so that I remember sitting in that park and we had 
put our uh, packs down because they were fucking heavy at that point, just walking around a little bit and just how tired we were. But I remember putting the pack down and just I could have slept there on that park bench for hours, I'm sure. So we just wanted to go find our hostel that we had booked ahead of time. It was called the Trendy Hostel. That was our first hostel experience, which was pretty good. I guess they were really new. It was, what, like 30-minute train ride out of the city center? Yeah, so. Roughly? Mm-hmm. So it was away from, it was still, I mean, Paris is just a sprawling metropolis. It's huge. To where it wasn't like we were out in the country, but we were definitely out of the central. Yeah, it was um, a little ways out, but it was cool um, just talking to the person behind the desk at the hostel and kind of telling him that we're, you know, day one in this over a year trip. And he was super excited for us and Mm -hmm. just super friendly and nice and the hostel was clean and it was new and they were just kind of like young friends that started this up. Yeah. So they were also, um, <clears throat> I don't know, very welcoming and warm and it just, it was a good first experience. Yeah, for sure. And I think that in that hostel, uh, <clears throat> we were able to meet a couple gals from British, British Columbia. Columbia who spoke French, and we ended up hanging out with them later on um, that night because we had ran into them on the train um, by chance. And uh, we were talking with them and kind of just hanging out and having a couple beers and then this... At the hostel. Yeah, at the hostel, just right out in front. We actually were hanging with the guys who owned the hostel, too, for a while, who one of them took us to go get beer later when we ran out. Um, but yeah, there was a guy who was just walking by and they, you know, were able to call him over because they spoke French. Basically just calling him to come over and hang out with us. But yeah, we were able to talk to him for a couple hours and meet him and learn about his story. And he, he was basically just on his way home from work. Yeah. He was just walking home. Yeah. He liked us so much that he asked us if we would stay with him and his sister. He asked us basically what our plans were for the next, after this, or how long we were staying there, and we said we hadn't had any plans after the few nights we had booked at the Trinity Hostel. Yeah, because we we were looking into other hostels around, and it was just mm -hmm. expensive, and there was limited options, so... We took him up on it, and we went and stayed with him and his sister for a couple nights. His name was Maxence, and her name was Celine, and they were super friendly and nice. It's just around the corner, too. <clears throat> yeah, and they took us to, like, an art show, which was pretty cool to mm-hmm. see some, you know, a different culture's art. And um, then after that, I think they took us to get pizza and... He introduced us to Comte cheese. Oh, that was good Just cheese. Just like local. Totally local. I've been able to find it maybe in like one or two other places, but around France, like not, maybe in Germany, but not very many other places. I cannot find it here for sure. But it was all over there just oh, it's because so good, I think though. it's really good and it's local and it's yeah, you know, like a local delicacy sort of thing. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, so he was a teacher, but also a DJ, which is pretty cool. Um, we weren't able to go to one of his shows, which I would have probably liked to do, but who knows, maybe in the future. And then um, his sister, we ended up meeting later in Portugal <laughs> and got to know her a little bit better, like which was cool. a year later. Yeah, like a year later. Because she was studying in Portugal yeah. in Lisbon. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so they were just super nice and hospitable and you know it was kind of like our first real connection I think that we had made um on the trip so I think that um yeah after that we just kind of roamed or well we made some couch surfing connections too because that was the only other real like viable option as far as us being on a budget Right. So we uh, looked up couch, <clears throat> couchsurfing.com, which was really cool. It was It's a little scary at first just because it's you reaching out, asking. Strangers. To, yeah, asking complete strangers just to let you into their homes and allow and you stay to stay there free. for free, which it's, is it's crazy. Very, it has this feeling of, uh, I want to say like moochie, but it's <laughs> well, really like. Can I stay at your place for free? Yeah, I think I that's... I don't know, I had this... Um, it's just something I have to get over myself. Yeah, for I sure. I think both of us have issues with um, depending on others to do certain things, and that is definitely something that you will have to get over if you want to do um, just traveling on a budget, and especially if you want to look into couch surfing. Just... Put yourself out there and literally, like, you can meet some of the nicest people on couch surfing. And we did. And in Paris, we met um, a man named Sam, uh, his partner, Laurence, which she was awesome and super friendly and nice. And then we also stayed with another girl. And they were around the same area, which was pretty helpful. But um, yeah. she. So commuting from one to the other wasn't a huge ordeal yeah it was pretty easy as we're still getting used to lugging around these heavy packs yeah but her name was uh benedicte and she had a really cool house with some pretty interesting roommates like one gal was studying to become a mime uh another guy was just super into his <clears throat> gardening he had mm -hmm. a certain philosophy of gardening that was like all natural and the way that you sh allow sunlight in and shade others and then he had like created hills because on certain sides of the hills they had better I don't know it was all just like he was so into this philosophy of how he set up his garden in his backyard which was fascinating and it was beautiful had tons of great flowers and um, yeah, just the method behind it was really fascinating. And it was just cool staying with locals and seeing, yeah. it gives you a real sense of like culture when, you know, for them, at least that particular household with these like five different people mm -hmm. and their method of like eating dinner was like everyone ate at this huge table. Yeah. And so everyone just kind of hung out as a group. Yeah. Almost like a family and they would just talk and, you know, everyone worked on the dinner together. Mm -hmm. Afterwards, everyone cleaned up together. It was just very... Uh, Communal style. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. It was awesome. I think one of the roommates too was um, some sort of 
a journalist activist. And I want to say that he had done something at the time. I We didn't catch much of it because basically they're all speaking in French and a we don't know time. French. Their English so, wasn't super good. It was... Benedictes was really you know, good. No, hers was good. But, but some people, they had to really focus on yeah. every word and try to think of, you know, the translation. Yeah, which I totally understand. So it was way better than my French. Yeah, so. totally. They knew some <clears throat> English, which we don't know any French, so, um, or very, very little. So I totally understand, and uh, there's no hard feelings at all when they would just resort back to French, and, you know, but it's just, it's something that you have to get used to, that not everyone's going to go out of their way to, you know, accommodate for you not <laughs> knowing their language, which I completely understand, so. Um, but yeah, he was, you know, he had just done something pretty big, and they were all talking about it. The buzz was um, real. It felt like there was some excitement in the air, which was pretty exciting just to be a part of it, even though mm -hmm. we didn't entirely know what was going on yeah. but yeah it was just exciting and just it definitely felt like a different vibe as compared to you know what you would get just staying at a hostel in the city center and just hitting up the touristy destinations and all that so it was it was a cool experience for sure certain things that stood out when we first got there would you say were kind of just like walking walking the streets, like the cobblestone really stood out. A lot that's of it was something just, that we don't have in the States. Yeah, I had this like childhood dream of traveling and just associating cobblestone streets with Europe and just traveling in general. Totally. So I think just one of those things personally for me was a very big excitement was just seeing the cobblestone streets everywhere. Yeah. Which doesn't sound like much, but it was just this childhood connection with that and association yeah. that made it, um, that that was super exciting for me because yeah. you don't see that here, but no, not at all. It's, you see that in photos or, you know, videos and documentaries or whatever. And, um, it's would, all over Europe. So it's very, yeah, I would say for me also the architecture was just very it's its Historic. own. Yeah, and I would say that one thing that I look at personally when I'm traveling to each different city are the rooftops. And so Paris's rooftops are very um, distinct unique. and very unique. And I don't think that there's any other place yeah. in the world that I saw similar rooftops. So, um, but then also just like the cafes, the fresh fruit markets, you know, markets everywhere. There's basically, and you know, it does live up to some expectations. One being sitting on the corner cat or sitting at the corner cafe, drinking a, you know, a coffee. a coffee or a little shot of espresso, having a cigarette. Like that's a lot of people were doing that which was um, kind of one of those ideas that I had in my mind of seeing. Um, but yeah, as far as you have this in mind of it being this one way and this, you kind of romanticize it in your brain and any expectation that you have uh, is going to be... It was never met. It's never, it's never met. <clears throat> so that was something that we definitely learned on our trip 
and you have to keep kind of relearning it everywhere you go. But as soon as you expect something, it's going to be completely different. It's never going to, just no expectations ever. And I think And it's going to be more enjoyable that way because if your expectations aren't met, then you kind of get let, I don't know. Yeah, you're almost let let down down. in a way, which... But if you just go with no expectations, it's... And then there's more adventure in it, you know. Oh, totally. Whatever comes at you, enjoy it for what it is. Exactly. You're more in the present moment, and you you appreciate things more, I think, when you Mm -hmm. don't expect them to be a certain way. But I think that a couple things that we saw that definitely swung us to the side of like, oh, that's not what I expected, were a couple um, train rides that we took. And one, we were sitting in a train, and I think we had seen a girl or heard her first because she was yelling at the top of her lungs, I think, and just belligerent. And she was outside going into the train in front of us. You could hear the drunk in her voice. Yeah, she was... It's one of those very... Haggard, haggard voice, and... Yeah, so she got onto the... Sure, she was out on the platform, and we're both kind of looking at each other going... We're inside the train car. Yeah, we're going... It's just at a stop. We're going, please don't come into this. <laughs> because you don't really want someone who's going to be yelling at the top of their lungs in your car. But um, she got into the one in front of us, and we're like, oh, thank God. But then she quickly left that one and then came into ours, and we're like, oh, shit. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I just remember her being pretty haggard. She was stumbly, um, wasn't speaking, well, she was speaking French, obviously, but whatever she was saying in French, I'm sure, wasn't that coherent. Um, And just sad to say, but the smell I will never forget because it was stinky cheese and wine. And so those two combos together and... If anything's going to throw you off wanting to have good cheese or wine, that would be it. So that was just one thing where I was like, holy shit. And it just makes you, you know, that's big cities. That's just how big cities are. There are going to be people who, you know, abuse drugs and alcohol and who are living out on the streets. And that's just kind of the way of life in bigger cities. That's what you're going to see. So... You just kind of have to get used to it. But that was one thing that kind of snapped me out of this romanticized travel life or, you know, seeing Paris. Um, Yeah, because Paris is usually, you think of, like, beautiful and romantic, which it is. It is in certain places. But it felt different. And a lot of, it was different. Again, what I expected was different. Whereas riding the trains a lot, and I remember people just seemed so down on the trains, just like jaded, and they'd just stare off. And I remember on a crowded car on the train, uh, as we were holding the middle rail, and we're, you know, elbow shoulder to shoulder, and this lady just was staring off, and all of a sudden tears just started running down her face, just didn't change expressions. And I was just like, this is such a bummer. <laughs> I thought this place was like romantic and yeah. which again, everybody is, has their bad days, but it's just, I think that when you're in big cities and especially in Europe there, nobody has their own car. I mean, they, some do, but a lot of people ride the train. So that's their form of transportation. So when you're in that car, 
that small space with everybody. It's just, you know, you're in everybody's business. So you can't really hide shit in trains. I mean, life is life. I mean, people still deal with, you know, working all the time and have, you know, it was just um, a weird, I don't know why I had this. Again, it's an expectation I had that everyone's happy here and everyone loves life. And it's <laughs> yes, Paris. It's a romantic capital of the world. It's and Europe. They're all happy. It's like Disneyland where everyone's happy and having a great time. You know, yeah, I know, where, right? I don't know why I had this. Just because we're on this high of like, travel, travel, yay, new yeah. place, experience, new. And then it's just like, oh, oh. Oh. Why are you sad? Why are you drunk as shit? Why are you such a bummer? Why, you know, it's just like, well, of course. It's just naive, naivety. Na- yeah. Naivety? Naivety. Naivety. Um, naivety. 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 We, we know. <laughs> so anyways, we were naive. And, um, yeah, but I guess... So that was that was the reality that we were kind of facing and dealing with. But also, we did want to go out and see those certain areas that were known to be, you know, landmarks that you can't miss. You know, there's the Eiffel Tower, um, the Arc de Triomphe, uh, Pierre Lachaise was one. Um, the Louvre. The Louvre. Yeah. yeah. Just a lot of the things, I wouldn't say everything, like Pierre Lachaise is very popular, but it was so big. You know, like certain places like the Eiffel Tower is a total tourist trap. Totally. Whereas Pierre Lachaise, um, it's huge um, to where there was people there, but it wasn't as tourist trappy. <laughs> Good. Yeah, no, I... You know? I think for me personally, Pierre Lachaise was my favorite place that we went. And I'm not entirely sure how to come across saying that walking into a cemetery was my favorite place without sounding kind of creepy. But um, there was a certain piece about it. Like there was some sort of unspoken like serenity. I don't know. It was just... I think cemeteries just kind of have that to a yeah. degree. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, it's but. the the different gravestones and um, statues, and it is gigantic. You probably could go there three days or four days in a row and still not cover the whole thing. Like yeah, it's huge. huge. Um, but yeah, as far as just the look and the feel of it was unmatched by Especially any when it's, I mean, Paris is such a sprawling city. Yeah. And everything's hustle bustle. It's a, you know, totally. most, or all big cities are, everything's moving quick with lots of sounds. And, um, and then there it was just kind of like this peaceful. Yeah. The, you know, everything like quieted down. The walls you are could really hear the wind high. Through the trees. Yeah, but like I think the walls blocking it from the like road were pretty high too. I remember walking past them on the outside. Probably for that reason. Yeah, because it does feel like you're kind of in your own little little area, which was pretty cool. But yeah. we saw like Jim Morrison's grave. I think 
Um, Oscar Wilde's buried there, Chopin, like there's tons of different famous names that when you walk past you're like, oh, crazy, you know, so it was pretty cool um, just seeing that. And um, I guess Montmartre was... It's free too, isn't it? Pierre Lachaise. Or what did it cost money? I don't remember. That's a good question. We might have to look back into that. I think if it was money, it was very little. But, yeah. Um, I know that Montmartre was another one that we went to because we were told if you want a good view of the city, go to Montmartre. And, and so, they were right. And they were totally right. one of the best views. For sure. Of Paris. Yeah. Besides, like, on top of the Eiffel Tower, Montmartre is probably one of the prettiest views that I've seen of a city, mm -hmm. like, anywhere. Um, so you're... You walk up kind of through, you, you take the train there, then you can walk up kind of these winding streets. Um, tons of tourist little shops and knickknacks and all that stuff. Um, we weren't really into it, so we just kind of passed that and went straight to the hill. But I think that right before we get to the stairs where you can walk up to the cathedral, uh, not cathedral, it's a... Basil Church, right? Yeah, I think it's a basilica at the very top. But um, we had gotten stopped by maybe three? Three or four. Three or four guys. And they were adamant about separating the two of us, which we were like, what is going on here? So the one guy says, let me make you a bracelet. And I'm going, okay. All he asks is for you to put out your finger. Oh, yeah, that's right. So he so says, just put out your finger, just put out one finger, put out one finger. And I'm like, okay, cause I don't know any better. I'm very new to traveling and scams. You so knew it was a scam. I didn't write it first. I had no idea. I was, I was just like, like, what? I was like, this guy wants something. Yeah. Well, after he starts, he basically attached a string or a couple strings to my finger and then starts weaving a bracelet. And so he basically has me trapped. And because your finger is now attached to a string that yeah, he's holding the other end to. Basically. Where he's making, essentially, the bracelet around your wrist. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, it's gonna obviously going to ask Try to force for you to pay money. Because <clears throat> now it's attached to you already. Yeah. So you can't really run anywhere. It's like a brilliant, like, you know, scam, I would say. Um, but he's you know, talking to you where you come from and trying to be very cordial and nice and all that. And he's, you know, and I'm not a mean person. I'm not going to just say, hey, fuck off. And like, you know, and I can't go anywhere because I'm attached to a string. And so I'm talking to him and I'm like, okay. Um, and then he gets done with the bracelet and he's obviously like, all right, ten. <laughs> he says 10 bucks. And I'm like, $10 for this? Or yeah, 10 euros. And I'm like, did he ask for 10? 10 for me. I was like, uh-uh, no, I'm not giving you 10 for this that I didn't even ask for. You know, I'm on a budget. And so I think that I was just like, no, no, I don't need it. And then, of course, obviously, they're dropping the price because 10 is outrageous, you know, unless someone's like, okay. Um, but, yeah, I think that after I was just like, no, no. And I think I had a two a two, two euro, euro coin. coin. So I was just like, here, you know, take that. And that's it. And I think I, I had kept that bracelet 
And I think I still have it, actually. I did not keep the bracelet. <laughs> I did, did not. not even get the bracelet tied. No. I think he came up to me, and I, I was like, I don't want this. I don't have any cash. I don't have cash. And you said, oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. And then he just made it up for me and then handed it to me. And I said, I told you I don't have any cash. Yeah. And then get this guilt trip of like, oh, no, you just have just it then. Just take it. And yeah. I was like, dude, I told you to begin with, I don't have cash. Take your bracelet. I don't want it. Yeah. And that was. Well, it's just, I mean, they, they one, catch you off guard. And then, two, it's, you know, you don't want to be rude to a stranger. And especially if they're being nice to you. But that's it's all an act. But so. it's all an act, and that's really how that's they the get whole, their money. That's the whole the whole gist of it is just they're they're scamming you. So I think that that was a definite wake up call for us right at the get go. Of this is pretty. It's a pretty easy thing to get wrapped up in if you don't put up that block and and distance yourselves or stand really like stand up for yourself and just say no. There's a lot of scams for the most part, come with a smile because it makes it that much more awkward to totally. get yourself out of. Yep, exactly, because you're Whereas the one that's Whereas if they come up upset or mean, then it's easy to be like, well, no, fuck you too. Yeah. And it's, you know, but if they come with a smile, it's it's just that underlying awkwardness of, oh, well, this person's being nice. I should be nice back. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but you just have to stand firm and... Yeah. I think that... So that whole, you know, thing kind of threw us for a loop and we're like, oh, what? You know, and then we see this really, really pretty church right at the top. And so we're starting to walk up the stairs. And I think it was right around sunset, which was pretty awesome to be able to witness the color, you know, that the sun cast on that church was just unreal. Um, But then, you know, we had gone, I think, on a weekday. It was either, or sorry, not a weekday, but a weekend So it was either Friday, Saturday, or I don't think it was Sunday. So I would say it was one of the busier times. And literally, the place was just riddled with people. And it was locals, I believe, that um, just enjoy, you know, hanging out there and definitely drinking. There were people going around selling, you know, cases of beer. Heineken. Of Heineken. A lot of Heineken for Mm -hmm. um, whatever reason, but... There, it was just riddled with trash, too. There were garbages just overflowing, overflowing left and right. And so even though you have this idea of like, oh, this is going to be great, you look to the right and there's just heaps of trash and you're just going, oh, oh this is not what this I thought. loud, drunk And very people, loud and drunk. A lot of and, trash. Not what we yeah. expected. But. but then there were also pretty cool street performers as well. There mm-hmm. was one guy who had a soccer ball and he did things with that soccer ball that I... I can't even... I don't know how. It's like climbing up a light pole. And what? It was crazy. Mm. Yeah, it was awesome, though. Um, I think that another favorite probably was the Louvre. And that was... That was my favorite. I could have stayed... I, I really want to go back to Paris just so I can get, like, a week pass and keep going back to the Louvre. Because we spent a day there, most of the day. We went with the pass uh, where we were able to go in like a couple hours earlier. Yeah. And you order it ahead of time online so that all you have to do is pick up the tickets there. If you avoid that versus 
waiting in line to buy the ticket, you're yeah. wasting half of the day. It's seriously going to take you insane. hours. That um, pyramid, the glass pyramid that they have there, the line seriously like winds outside of that to wait to get in to buy those tickets then to get in again, which is pretty crazy. But Even with buying the tickets online ahead of time, there was still a pretty decent line where it was at least 30, 45 minutes. Yeah, to get the tickets to inside. collect your tickets to get in then too, which... There is also a line, or uh, I want to say secret, but I think a lot of people know about it, but where right. you can go yeah. underneath the Louvre and get in that way. Yeah. Which is where we went. Yeah, so it, it which definitely goes. Not nearly as long. A tip, yeah. That goes a lot faster <clears throat> that way. So, um, but once you Go underneath. Yeah, once inside, holy crap, there is so much to see. And I think. At one point, I got separated from you. I was, like, lost. I'm like, shit, I'm never going to be able to find him. And we, you know, it's it's so easy to just, like, wind your way through. Uh, I think we had done, at first, um, It was, was it sculptures? Yeah, we did uh, the sculptures for the first, Jesus, like, four hours I don't it's know, crazy sculptures you could spend an entire day just at sculptures it was awesome and then we wanted to work away to see the mona lisa and the paintings mm. in which point i had no idea there was so much like painting art no yeah work. yeah and it's Literally, every. I was almost bummed we spent so much time on the sculptures where I would have rather spent. I could have spent the whole day on just yeah, the paintings. Yeah, because you're seeing what Rembrandt's, Monet's, like these artists that you only have read about in textbooks, you know, in school. You're seeing their work like this. And it's, it's not behind glass. No, it's. I mean, the Mona Lisa is. The, yeah, that's the one which that. Which is also a. That's a tourist trap. <laughs> I remember. I mean, it's behind glass. There's a rope. There's just a there's crowd a, of people. There's a wooden banister it's, that you can't pass. So it's literally like guards there to make sure that everything stays, you know, everyone stays where they should be. Yeah, you can't look beyond this banister, and there's there were probably easily sixty people surrounding it. Oh, more than that. Yeah, or more. There was like a hundred people. Yeah, least. it was it was crazy. So it was like it was like the front row of a concert. Yeah. You know, it was <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. And everybody selfie, 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 photo, photo, selfie, selfie. So just like a sea of flash or not flash photography. I don't think they allowed it, but photography and you know f people taking selfies. <laughs> so it was just like uh. This isn't what I pictured. Just so. walking up, we just yeah. almost didn't care about it. Because there was so much other amazing art there. Seriously, yeah. And why, the, yeah. But, you know, it's it's nice to be able to say you were, you know, you were there, you saw it, kind of. And then, but all the other art really is what you want to go for. Yeah. And if you can give yourself multiple days to go back, um, I would yes, highly recommend thing. it, for sure. Yeah. Um, another one that actually kind of surprised me was the Arc de Triomphe, because that was, you've, you know, seen it in movies or magazines or photos, and it, 
really, you know, it cannot capture the magnitude of it. And so you're walking down, you know, pretty, which is a really cool part of the city too. Yeah. You're walking down pretty busy streets and you get to this huge roundabout and you see, you know, just lanes of traffic going around it and you're going, how do we get over there? Yeah, it's basically in the middle of a roundabout. Yeah, you can't run like through the street. Six lanes of cars. Oh, it's crazy. So it's just Yeah. You're you're looking at it going, Wow, that looks really big, but you I see can't a bunch really of people tell. over there too. And yeah. you're like, How are the, there's no crosswalk to get over. There are people walking on the top of it and then there are people all around it and you're going Yeah, because there's obviously no no uh crosswalk. So we're going, How do you find a way to get underneath? And I guess that we maybe we had asked somebody or maybe we were looking on our google maps and we had walked over to where it looked like a subway i think we just walked around in a circle just to try to figure out how and then yeah we there was a train station right there and we had walked down to that and that's where the tunnel they have a tunnel going like basically from goes under the roundabout yeah from that train station underneath the roundabout to where you pop up right at the Arctic Trail. Right at the base, yeah. And it's free to walk um, through that tunnel and get up to the other side, but to get on the top of it, it does cost money, so. Which, I don't know why you'd want to get on the top anyway. It's, you can't see it from the top. It'd probably be a cool view of the city, though, another Possibly. one. Possibly. Um, but, yeah, I guess the for what stood out to me was just the size of it. It is huge. And then the... Um, the sculptures on each side, well, they were awesome. Just super, super good. The expressions on the faces and just... All the detail. Yeah, the detail. It was amazing. Um, but yeah, we, we also did the Eiffel Tower, which was um, a must, you know, as a tourist or foreigner. Um, we had gotten there, and that's definitely... Another tourist trap, so beware of, you know, anybody looking to scam you, sell you anything you People don't want. selling junk. That, all yeah. those jewelries, these chains that they just jangle around, and they're like, do you want this? And I think they're just little metal just statues the Eiffel of Eiffel Towers. And, um, but, yeah, so I remember us getting there. There are a few different options that you can take to get to the top. Um, we went for the least expensive. It was a halfway point and then there's the very top. Yeah. So you can walk up to the halfway point that costs you, I don't think anything, but then once you get to, I think it did, maybe it did, but it's very, it's it not that very much. minimal. Yeah. This is taking the elevator to the middle. Yeah. And then taking again, the middle to the top elevator, which you have to do that because you can't walk there's past no the middle. For stairs. Yeah. There's no So if stairs. you're walking for cheaper, you can only go as high as the middle. Yeah. Um, is that true? Mm hmm. Okay. Yeah. You can't walk up to the top. That's the right. Top we probably would have. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so we made it basically to the top, which was pretty awesome. And I think that getting up there was like, that was the way that allowed me to learn how gigantic Paris is. Like, you could just see the city sprawling as far as your eyes could see. It is huge. So I think if we hadn't gone to the top of that, I probably wouldn't have had the idea of how big that city is. 
Because literally you're above it looking at everything. And the view's pretty awesome. It's, yeah. I mean, again, it's a tourist trap and very crowded. And if you can get past, it's a must you know, do, though. if you can get past the claustrophobic feeling and all that, then I would say definitely um, check it out. Um, I guess right after the Arc de Triomphe, we went to the Chandelier. Um, cause you know, you hear it in songs, you have just heard about it and we were like, okay, what's this great walk along this romantic street? And we get on it and it's basically like H&M, Gap, uh, whatever other stores, this and that. So it's basically just shopping and so a like strip ritzy mall. Shopping. Yeah. And very expensive shopping. So yeah. yeah. That's not his and I, our bag. So we didn't really stay for long. We just kind of We just kept walking. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe from afar, if you're taking photos from the Arc de Triomphe, like through it onto the Chandelier, that might look pretty. Or if maybe you're on top of the Arc de Triomphe and you're taking photos of it, it probably looks cool because it's very straight, very uh, centered. <laughs> so, um, but other than that, I don't see the appeal. Um, I would say that, well, do we have another tip or trick or? A lot of it was riding the trains. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, basically if, I mean, aside from walking around everywhere, but you could spend, I mean, to get from A to B to see this and that, I mean, you're going to have to take transportation or you're going to walk all day and only get to see two things versus seeing eight things in Seriously. a day. Seriously, yeah. It's to way too big of a city. You have to take the trains. But in order to do that, sometimes you have to switch trains, you know, to catch the red line, which transfers to the blue line, which, you know, in order to get to a certain destination. But it all adds up with one or two euros to just it can get really all of a sudden expensive. it's like 10 euros that you spent just to get to one place yeah where we were like this is adding up super fast so we heard from someone about this two for one sort of unspoken rule where yeah. if you're together and one person buys a ticket when you scan your ticket and then go through the rolly bar yeah, either the rolly bar or they have the doors that open. When your just ticket gets scanned, that both you go through. Scan it and then you both go through. Yeah, so you're only paying for one, which is nice because that did save us money for a lot of trains. But then we started seeing people just just hop over it. Or like the doors that open, they would just kind of push their way through. No, not the doors. I saw that. Really? Yeah. Because some of the doors would be Those loose. That scared me. <laughs> some of the doors would be loose, just closed, so you yeah. could squeeze in and just yeah. sink around. I will tell you this, though. If you have a big pack, it is difficult. Yeah. We did that a couple times, and I'm not very strong at the top. My legs are strong, but when I'm pushing, like I'm trying to haul myself up over those bars with a probably 30 pounds on my back. It is tricky. And I think there were a couple of close calls. Because that. the bars don't yeah. move unless no. you have a ticket. No. And if you're trying to hop the whole thing. Yeah. So. Um, with a 40 pound pack. Yeah. You know. 
But I mean, if you a little awkward. Yeah, if you are willing to do it and maybe gutsy enough to try it out. We weren't the only ones. We were not the only ones. So there it were a lot of It was kind of a monkey see, it. monkey do situation. Yeah. We saw other people were like, We well, can do that? Yeah. Like, oh well we can save a ton of money by just not paying period. Yeah, for sure. So that was that was something that helped us out save a little bit while being in Paris. And I think that I mean if you have the money to do it and you don't feel comfortable doing that, the trains are the way to go. I think taxis are only going to just rack up a bill. And then if you wanted to, possibly the on and off bus. Oh, which, I would never cab in Paris. Well, no, but I'm, like I'm saying, if you had the money and yeah. you don't feel comfortable, um, ride the trains and pay for it. But um, there is that hop on, hop off bus that is an option that I've heard is somewhat inexpensive. So if you wanted to do that, there are those big red buses that you can just jump on and off and get from here to there. So that's an option as well. Um, I guess a little highlight for me was when we had gone out and gotten ourselves like fresh bread, uh, local cheese, some cured meats and like a nice bottle of wine for a decent price. Like it was pretty cheap considering, you know, what we would pay for it here in the States and the quality of food Very, there is uh, really good. French picnic assortment. Yeah. Basically. And we basically just walked to, um, or right out in front of the Eiffel Tower and just waited until they, um, at night, they have the lights turn on. So it's like these twinkling lights that just light the whole thing up. And we well, Every just, 10 minutes or something? 20 yeah. minutes? Uh, it might be longer than that, but I'm not entirely like sure. twice an hour or every yeah. 30 minutes? Yeah, I think it might be every half hour. But we but basically was, watched the sunset... Yeah. And then and then had a nice bottle of wine and some good food and it was just kind of like one of those moments that felt kind of surreal. Parisian evening. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I liked that for sure. Yeah. Um, oh, another story that we didn't mention, but when we had stayed with uh, Sam, the couch surfing host, he had taken us to or wanted to take us to a a bar, a bar uh, where one of his friends was DJing at. And I think that before we went there and met some of his friends, um, we had some spare time to kill. So yeah, so we went to. He was asking what we wanted to see, and we were expressing our appreciation and love for dive bars. Yeah. And uh, just how we like the sort of raw and grittiness and. Yeah. Um, just like the real nature. The feel yeah. of just dive bars. Mm-hmm. So he brought us to, I don't even remember the name of it. Oh, I don't even remember the name either. It was basically we were walking up a street, and I think he was like, oh, yeah, this place would be good. And so we walked in there, and literally it felt like, uh, <laughs> this is going to be a weird description, but it felt like possibly a little shop in Diagon Alley. Like like Harry Potter style, where there were like stacks of old records, mm. uh, paintings stashed in corners, like posters that were torn, like rolled up and in the corner. So it just had this very feel of like messiness. I'm sure there were like a couple dogs walking around yeah, right. and like just knickknacks and shit like stuffed into every corner. And we're like, is this someone's like apartment or are we in a bar? What's going on? It was really weird. But cool. Yeah. 
Basically, yeah, it was, uh, what we came to find out was it was a punk rock bar. Yeah. Where they would play a lot of, uh, local, local punk shows. And we ended up talking with this guy that had been going there for, like, 30 years or something. Yeah. Whose English was super good. Oh, who amazing. attested to he learned it from watching American movies. That's true. But yeah. had one of probably the best English uh, yeah. that we had, you know, come into contact and conversed with. Yeah, and I think that he And was... had explained the whole just, I guess, history with the bar and with the owners and... yeah. And what it was, and uh, I guess they were shutting down. It was like one of their last days. It was, yeah, like... With, Maybe like, the last day. It might have been the last day. And yeah. So there was a lot of people coming in that had been going there for forever. Oh, yeah. And had this strong, you know, lengthy connection with this bar and the community that it had and all yeah. the times that they had brought together. So there was a lot of tears shed and emotions. And totally. People, people coming in out. and just getting smashed and... <laughs> <laughs> hugging each other and yeah. telling stories of times past and oh this show here and yeah so it was a kind of a special moment oh totally that we were even able to experience it and, thinking back on it and that this guy was willing just super nice and willing to share this whole history of this bar with us and that he kind of welcomed us in it as well versus you know uh shying us away because it was you know this time with uh with, you know, uh, people that had been, you know, the community that had been going to it, but, you know, welcomed us to stay as well. And I think even bought us a drink and yeah, for sure. And I remember it's like Americans was very welcoming. And yeah. Cause I remember when we first got in there, it was, you know, just kind of checking it out and being like, what is this place? And then the, the person behind the bar, I think the owner, he was yeah. a little bit, um, I was I wouldn't say rude or anything, but a little bit like, who are these people? <laughs> you know, at first. And then saw that kind of also was uh, because, I mean, they're experiencing their last day and it's all the regulars and all, you know, this vibe of like community. And here we are, these kind of strangers <laughs> just coming in. Strangers and foreigners. And foreigners but, uh, and Americans, you know, nonetheless. So I think that he was a little bit cold a little bit to us at first but then I think once the other you know regular guy who came in and was talking to us he was learning about our story but then also telling us the history of the bar um he warmed up to us big time and was like just cracking jokes he even gave me like a nickname and and then I think the no, guy it? Saul and I'm Sorry. not I'm not entirely sure why he gave it to me but I think it was how I how I speak I think he like Saul or he's like I don't know I can't remember exactly why it was, but um, it could have been that we also came in with Sam who was obviously a local too. Yeah, had, which was nice, you know, yeah. definitely that he was able to you know talk to him in French and but then I I remember the owner behind the bar warming up to us. Yeah, and, and yeah, it was just a really cool experience. One that I was not expecting no, at all. It was another one of those random spontaneous happenings yeah. that just was a highlight of a, of a city or a place. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think that, um, yeah, it just added to the whole experience there in Paris and yeah. was like a little glimpse into a world that we had no idea. Existed. It was obviously, yeah, just local. There were no tourists other than yeah. us. Mm -mm. Uh, yeah, it was a special moment. But yeah. I remember just awesome. the warmth 
of the people there that really stood out because they were so vulnerable. Like they really opened themselves up and like even got choked up in front of us and allowed themselves to like feel that, which was something that you don't see often, which I felt really blessed to be a part of. And I think our acknowledgement of what that meant to them Mm -hmm. and, you know, yeah, seeing that this is a special thing for all these people and how we were, you know, open to that and accepting of that also kind of helped the embrace. Oh, totally. Yeah. uh, Us being present. Yeah, for sure. So that was pretty Um, awesome. But I would say that that kind of sums up Paris, unless you feel like we needed to touch on something else. I think that was basically it. Uh, We did want to see the catacombs. Oh yeah, that was something Which, that Which, we... uh, you can, and there is, uh, there is a way to do it, but it's also a very touristy way to do it. We were more so wanting to try to get in touch with a local that might have known a secret way in, and... We were, um, I think we had asked, like, either Sam or Benedicte, we said, we asked, how do I we... asked Maxence, too. Yeah, how do we get into the catacombs? Do you know or... anyone that knows the secret way in? And they were even saying, oh, you really have to know someone, you know, he didn't even know anyone. Yeah. And he, you know, is a local. Yeah. He said, you really have to try to seek someone out that would know about that. So, we didn't end up doing that, but... No, but maybe another someday. time. Yeah. One day. Yeah. So, anything yeah, else? Yeah, that, uh, that sums up our two weeks in Paris, I think. Yeah, I think so. So. But I think on the next, um, on the next episode, we will probably be talking about us going and traveling down to Bordeaux, which is just a city that was a little bit closer to uh, getting us to St. John. So basically we were slowly making our way south to St. John, where uh, it is near the border of Spain. Yeah. To um, start our 500-mile pilgrimage across Spain, known as the Camino de Santiago, or just simply the way. Yeah. We had a pretty weird encounter with a local at the train station in Bordeaux that we'll talk about on the next episode. So that's all coming yeah. up. Yeah. And the Camino was definitely a highlight of the entire trip. So yeah. that'll be um, definitely a cool section. I, I would say we're probably going to do multiple episodes about that because you can't cover it all in one. And it took but, a total of 43 days. So it's, uh, yeah, took a while. Yeah. So, so one of our favorites. So that's coming up. So, so stay tuned. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, tuning in you guys. If you liked what you heard, subscribe to our podcast. If you feel inclined, leave us a comment or review Tell someone you know who might enjoy to have a listen, and feel free to share on your choice of social media. If you want to know more about us, or see any photos of our travels, you can check out our website at trailofbeans.com. We also have a Facebook page where you can follow us on our upcoming adventures, and get updates along the way, which can be found by searching at symbol, The Bean Trail. We'll be back next week, same beans, same pod.